0: Welcome to Coffee and Tea with SNL, everything you love about your favorite coffee shop, all wrapped up in a podcast. I'm Lisa, and I'm passionate about tea, travel, good food, and great conversations, and anything that makes me grow.
1: I'm Sabine, and I create spaces that people enjoy. I'm also a wife, mother of two, a coffee lover, and enjoy a great scented candle.
0: We're two great friends, committed to living our best lives and seeing others live theirs. Welcome to Coffee and Tea.
1: Hi, Lisa. How are you doing? I am doing well.
0: How are you, Sabine? I'm good. I'm good. How's your week been? My week has been good. Um, Just I feel like life is interesting and there's always something to learn. So I was having a great conversation with my coach and we were talking about complaints. And, you know, she was talking about the whole concept of just not complaining. And I don't actually think of myself as a complainer. I mean, I can complain like everybody else, but I don't make it a habit to be a complainer. In fact, I get really triggered by excessive complaining. And um, yeah, it's it's, it's just not a good look, right? And so, you know, we're talking about it and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm totally all about that. I don't complain. Of course, the more we talked, the more I realized that while I don't, I complain excessively externally I actually complain a lot in my mind which I had never thought of that as complaining because I'm Same like, well, here I'm not you're right saying it out loud. <laughs> I'm not sharing it with you're anyone. Right. nobody knows so that was the first thing like oh I can complain inside my head mm-hmm. and then the second thing that I got from this conversation was that complaining is always pointing to a fear so when you're complaining you're essentially shedding a Putting a spotlight on one of your fears, which again, I'd never made that connection. So it's been interesting to pay attention to where and how I complain, even if it's internal, and asking myself, what is the fear that this is pointing to? And um, so just to use an example, so like, you know, picture a mom who's like complaining about her kids never listening, right? That could be pointing to a fear about her not being valued or her being seen as insignificant in her home. So something like that. So that's kind of how that works. But I've been trying to pay attention to that. Like, oh, what are these fears pointing to?
1: And it feels like such a natural thing. I mean, to what are these complaints complain.
0: pointing to rather?
1: No, so I, was I was just think. saying that um, it complaining feels like a, something so natural, right? It doesn't take any effort to complain. It's just, yeah.
0: It really doesn't. And even the other, the other thing we're talking about is the difference between complaining and venting. Because I know we often say, oh, I'm just venting, I'm just venting. But how venting, it really is good for us. You need to do it to the right person in the right time. <laughs> right, agreed. And you probably should have a timer. Like, okay, I'm going to vent for the next 10 minutes and then we're done. And then but we're done, yeah. venting is actually really productive and really helpful in a way that complaining isn't. So it's just been interesting to, again, catch that and try to rework just have a mind change around why am I complaining? What is this fear at the bottom of this? And how can I flip this? How can I make it a possibility filled situation instead? Or how can I even find something to be grateful for related to that complaint? So over the past week, I've been writing a lot of gratitude lists and just making sure that the very things I complain about, even if it's just internally, that I find something to write a gratitude about related to that complaint. So that's been my my big mind mind shifting exercise this week.
1: What's and hopefully you video? date it. You should date it twenty twenty because this is the. This is the year. Of, oh yeah, um, so much to complain about. <laughs> indeed, but,
0: indeed. Yeah. yeah. So
1: I think that's a good exercise. Yeah,
0: it's it's a great it's a great exercise in general. But to your point, 2020 is the year that everybody wants to be like, it's a dumpster fire. Can we just go to sleep Can and we just be move tw- on? 2021. But right. it's like no, even in this year, there's so much good and so much to be grateful for. Okay. And the complaints just again are advertising our fears and not doing anything productive. So. That's yeah. what I've been working on.
1: Yeah, I think it, you know, the first thing that comes to mind when you were talking about fear and complaining or how fear is the the root of complaining is mindset and how it, it's really like a mindset mm-hmm. shift. I have been learning about my voice, you know, my voice in a sense that recognizing that my voice matters mm-hmm. and I guess like we're so hearing you talk about, you know, fear. I think fear also is the underlining behind that as well. Uh, recently, I had a virtual interview call for a potential collaboration project. And usually when I go into interviews or when I'm speaking to a potential client or, you know, whatever it is, I just feel empowered by my credentials. So I kind of go down like a resume, like this is my school, this is my background, these are the projects that I've worked on, da 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 da, da right? Um, and- the interviewee she was actually more interested in who I was as a person like my background you know my parents and where I grew up and I'm thinking to myself because obviously I didn't know she was going to ask me beforehand so I'm thinking to myself like why does this even matter don't you want to know like where I went to school what I studied right like what type of work I've done and she asked those questions too but it just really made me realize that my voice matters, you know, what I think about, you know, design or life or my culture, you know, my, she also asked questions about my heritage. And of course, you know, I'm very passionate about, you know, my heritage. And I've talked about that on many occasions. And, you know, she's just actually her face kind of lit up when i started talking about my heritage and it's just it's interesting because a lot of times especially my industry being an interior designer it's funny because we are going to interview an an interior designer in this episode um you know it's all about this what's seen and here she is asking me questions about the unseen you know and so that was actually really refreshing um to hear and it it, credentials are great but um I think it just made me realize that, you know what? I do matter, you know, my story matters.
0: And I love that. I actually think that ties in really nicely to the conversation we're about to have that, you know, who we are, like nobody else combines the things that you have. No one else has your particular heritage, your interests, your personality, your upbringing. No one else has that in one complete package, which is the magic of Sabine. It's like, there's nobody like you and there never will be. And I think so often we forget that, that that's part of what makes us unique. It's not just where you went to school, it's it's how you bring it all together. And our guest today is Beth Peretta, who's amazing, and has over 25 years of experience in early childhood education, interior design, and playground design. And she has all the credentials as we are mentioning. She really does, speaking <laughs> of credentials. She has her master's, master's in education from UPenn, she has a post back degree in interior design from Moore College of Art and her bachelor's in communications from Temple University. And I love how she has overlapping interests and connections with both of us. And she's just a great example of that, just kind of bringing all of your, the different aspects of yourself together in in your career. So looking forward to you guys hearing that conversation.
1: I'm so excited about today's interview. I know her because uh, my daughter, Nadia, went to her summer camp and it was actually one of her, it was one of her favorite summer camps that she's been to. Oh, good. So she's very opinionated, so.
0: <laughs> yes, she is, Nadia. will let you know if this was not up to par. Right. <laughs>
1: And I still remember the day of orientation and um, Beth had, you know, she spoke about her background and all I heard was interior design. And of course, I'm an interior designer and I was just fascinated by her story. So I can't wait for you guys to hear her, her journey, her story. Um, But yes. Hi,
2: Beth. Hello there. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Sabine. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. <laughs> so as
1: always, we usually have a, um, we always start the show with uh, what's in our cup. So mm-hmm. as our guest, we'll let mm-hmm. you go first. Okay. So what's in
2: my cup? I have passion. And we have to take a picture <laughs> of this.
1: This looks beautiful, <laughs> by the way.
2: It's <laughs> my passion fruit iced tea. And it's uh, passion fruit tea. And I just made it into iced tea and added some lemons, limes, and some blueberries. Love it. it
0: looks good it's this whole beautiful fruit infusion going on it actually (laughs) looks like a cocktail not like (laughs) well
2: well, I figured since we were going to be on video I should you know step it up a little bit and use the fancy (laughs) (laughs) glass.
0: it looks good Sabine what are you drinking
1: so I'm drinking coffee today I have a blend from Honduras and then I have organic half and half in my coffee today Organic half some, and half. Is that- I know, organic, <laughs> I know, organic half and half. So that's what I have today. What's in your cup?
0: Very cool. I have Afghani chai tea oh, in my cup. I oh, know, very fancy. One of my friends, Emily, sent this to me actually. So this is, I'm super excited to be trying it out. And it it is organic Assam black tea with green cardamom, star anise, ginger, clove, hmm. and black pepper. So oh, yeah, nice. super fancy.
2: smells amazing
0: tastes amazing so afghani chai for the win today (laughs) thank you emily for my tea surprise and it's caffeinated it is caffeinated it's black tea which i tend to run from the caffeine but today was a Sleepy day as Sabine can attest before we got on here. I just could not stop yawning. I was like, oh no, no like, one needs yawn. a nap. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> so no, we're drinking not the, the black tea.
0: And there, yeah, there will be no more yawning. Beth, I can't wait to talk to you. No so more yawning. Like we're super excited to talk to you. Thank you.
1: So Beth, um, please introduce yourself to our listeners, who you are,
2: how would you describe yourself? How would I describe myself? I'm going to leave that one for last. So, uh, Beth Peretta, I am the CEO, uh, lead designer of early childhood environments, designs for living and learning, and also the CEO of ECE Childcare, which is our bilingual childcare center located in South Philadelphia. And how would I describe myself? Multitasks. I love to have a whole bunch of stuff going on at one time. I'm not like a single focus kind of person. If I don't have three or four things that I have to do all at one time, I'm not really happy.
1: (laughs) Wow. Okay. I need to learn from you then (laughs) (laughs) because I get overwhelmed very easily and I have to write everything down and it can be very chaotic, but yes. So I would, uh, I like chaos. You love chaos.
0: (laughs) So I have a burning question that you just alluded to talking about how you like to do many things Mm -hmm. at once. So when we were preparing for this interview, usually one or the other of us is more into the interviewee. Like, oh my gosh, I have this in common with them or I know them here, you know, this way. Sabine Mm -hmm. had that for you about interior design. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at your background and I'm like, she has a BA in communications from Temple where I went. And you also have a degree in education from Penn, where my sister went. Yep. And you're in the ECE space where I work. So it was one of those where we both mm-hmm. were like, I can't wait to ask her this. Right. I can't wait to ask her that. Right. Like we were kind of fighting over who had more in common with you. It all um, came together. How did it, it did. all come together? Like communications, art,
2: education. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I, I'll, I'll go, I'll give you the brief history, but starting in high school, actually. My uh, passion was I wanted to be an artist and I took fine art. I took a class at the Pennsylvania Art Academy. And I also sewed. I had my own little tailor shop in the basement. I worked at a tailor shop. So originally I wanted to be a fashion designer. And then, you know, you graduate from high school and things just go all these different directions. And I ended up at Temple. And I ended up in advertising and marketing. So that's what my degree was in in communications. So I actually left Temple and started working at a newspaper. Believe it or not, it was actually newspapers when I graduated (laughs) in the 80s. Um, Left newspaper and went to television. Did marketing and advertising sales in television for a good many years. And so I always kind of had this creative underlying thing, but always needed to make money. And so even while I was at Temple, I produced a radio show. It was a talk show back in the day. I mean, I was a producer, so I got to do all the really creative stuff. But I was always looking over and looking at the marketing and salespeople driving Corvettes. And I was basically (laughs) pushing my car to work. (laughs) Mm. So I always kept the creative, but I always felt like, you know, how do I figure out how to make money and still have some portion of that? And then I had like a real life changing event happen and I decided, okay, I'm making all this money, but let me do something where I can actually help kids or help people in some way. And so I went back to school and got a master's in education policy at Penn. And so I worked for the state department for a couple years, developing policy for early childhood programs. And then I worked with some school districts in, in New Jersey. Then I went to Georgia and worked at the uh, Early Childhood Resource and Referral as their director and got called back to Philadelphia for another executive director position. Wow. And so while I was doing that position, it came about that a lot of child care centers were having problems with their playgrounds. Their playgrounds were not meeting the minimum requirements that licensing required. So I looked into it and found a certification for playground safety inspectors. And so I took that class, I guess I've been certified now for, oh boy, I guess it's going on 15 years, 16 years. Um, And what happened was I started going out to people's facilities, childcare centers, uh, playgrounds, and noticed that they didn't need a safety inspection, they needed a whole new playground. Mm -hmm. Um, And I said, okay, well, I have early childhood, I kind of get it, so let me help them design playgrounds and that's how the playground kind of uh, CPSI inspections and design started but I still had that you know creative kind of thing that was really still driving me and I said okay I have this degree I have that degree I I really want to be a designer I, I've always liked designing things or should I say decorating because back <laughs> you know you you decorate. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> and big, difference. big difference.
2: Thank you. <laughs> yep. There is a big difference. A very big difference. So I was a good decorator in my own home and some of my friends, and I said, no, nah, I want to go back and do design work. And so I looked around and I found more college, which I didn't know at the time was all women's college. <laughs> <laughs> and, and um, it didn't really matter. But so they were willing to work with me because I had a full-time job. And so they said, listen, you know, we'll work around you with your classes. What kind of design do you want to do? And I said, well, I know early childhood education. I want to design childcare facilities. And they were like, oh, okay. We don't have anybody who else is really interested in doing that. I said, nah, I think I could put all this stuff together. You know, after going to school for years and years and years, I think I could put this stuff together. So that's how I ended up at Moore graduating. And then as I was graduating, this particular, the childcare center that I own and operate now was operated by a, a nonprofit and the nonprofit went bankrupt. And the school district who I had a relationship with called and said, do you want this child care center? And I said, no, <laughs> I don't want it because I know what it takes to actually run and operate one. And they said, well, if you don't take this program, it's going to close. And so I went down and I looked at, it was only 30 kids at the time. And I said, okay, I can't let this happen. So I took over the um, childcare center and here we are today with the childcare center and playground design and interior design kind of all wrapped up together. So that's, that's the story. That's incredible.
1: That is incredible. I want to know, how do you, I know that you said that you pretty much get your drive from all the chaos and multifunctional being multifunctional and flexible, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is something I feel like I need to learn from. But how do you specifically run businesses? Because there's so many people that have interest and you're good at this, you're good at this, but you're actually running two different
2: businesses. So how do you run that? So you, what ends up happening is, unfortunately, you end up spending more time doing one or the other. And so I've had a period of time where I've spent a lot of time building the child care center and taking less design projects. And now I'm flipping that. So I'm okay. hiring someone to run the, run the center. And I, I think that, that that word I just used, hire, is a good word. And, and all, a lot of times, you know, as, as small business owners, we don't have a lot of money. Um, to be able to pay people. So we do end up having to multitask. But what I found out in my later years is that when I'm doing jobs or or tasks that somebody else could and should be doing, it's taken away from the important part and the part that's really important to me. Yeah. And so I've kind of shifted. Um, the other thing I would suggest is, and I learned this, you know, over the years, is get you a good CPA. Mm. My CPA specifically works with small business owners um, and also specifically with childcare providers. So she understands my business and she's helped me set up systems. And I think that's key. That, has that is key. so important. Systems because people, employees, people, folks are going to come and go. Um yes you know it it may not be a good fit or it's time for them to move on to something you know bigger or you know they want to make a shift in careers like I've done but if you have systems in place then people can step in and 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 do a job because there's a system that shows them how to do it and so i think that's been that was a challenge initially especially with early childhood education to be honest with you cuz I had worked for the state department of education, which is all about systems and protocol and you know policies. And then you go to early childhood education and maybe not so much. You know, People are operating childcare centers mostly, most people I've met because they really love kids. Mm-hmm. And so having certain business practices and systems set up, it's like, no, but I just like kids. Well, you can't run a business like that. <laughs> So I think that's been the way to, to make it work for me. When I think of social
0: distancing, the early childhood space is the last place where that happens. Like, how yeah. do you get kids to socially distance? Mm-hmm. They want to hug. They're sharing all the same toys. What
2: is that going to look like for your school in particular? Yeah. So there's a couple things that we've done. One, we aren't permitting parents into any of the classrooms. Okay. We, our, our first our first step and stop is at our first floor, we have a first floor landing, we're going to have two staff with the sneeze guard and the mask, and, and we're going to be taking children's temperatures as parents sign the kids in. Then we have a staff person who's going to be doing an escort. So they'll escort the child to the classroom. So no parents will be allowed in the building, unless, in, of course, an emergency. We've also reduced our capacity from 80 to 40. So instead of having 20 children in the classroom, all children over the age of two are going to be required to wear masks. And so we don't know. We don't know how that's going to work. We've also eliminated, unfortunately, some of the things that kids really love in in our classrooms. So we've taken out some of our soft cushions, anything that's a fabric we've removed and we had to replace it with things. Don't faint, Sabine, but like a vinyl pillow. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I loved your classrooms like they, oh they're so you. you know when you think of school facilities you know there's that very uh, institutionalized feeling mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. yours was just very and I think that's what Nadia loved too it's just mm-hmm. you almost feel free to be artistic and express yourself so
2: yeah we try to create that type of environment where the kids can experiment with things we've taken out yeah, and just put. Yeah, we've taken out. Unfortunately, some of our dress-up clothes. Certainly, yeah. no. There's no hats. Right, right. And unless they're plastic fireman hats or things like that, so no, no sand. Can't have any oh, sand play okay. right now. So big, big changes. That's, that's yeah. big. Yeah. And it's really difficult because kids always are putting things in their mouth, even preschoolers, um, right. the age that we started, thank goodness, we don't have, you know, little teeny ones, but um, certainly it's, it's going to be a challenge. So, and that's why we, we said 50% capacity so that we could really kind of see what it's going to look like and make sure that we can keep everybody safe because that's right. our number one priority. That makes
1: sense. Now, how you, You were speaking to the child care facility. How has this affected the design now, your design business?
2: So that's interesting. I have actually two um, child care design projects that are currently going on. Mm -hmm. They had to stop construction. So I have, I actually have two major projects that are in process, one in Fishtown and one in North Philadelphia. The one in Fishtown, it's a, it, smaller. It only has capacity for 30 children, but they were converting a three-story building. The first floor is a child care center and the top two floors are apartments. And so construction actually had to come to a stop, but we had already gotten all of our building permits and everything was permitted. And so they were already working. I haven't gotten any new business since this has hit, because I think, unfortunately, what we're going to see is a lot of some child care centers won't be reopening and so we'll we'll have to see kind of what that looks like because this is really hitting child care providers hard really really hard yes. yeah.
0: yeah, I think that's been one of the most devastating things to hear is that easily fifty percent of them won't reopen after yes. this uh, because it's also such a grossly underfunded mm-hmm. yet such a crucial part of our society yeah. like people can't go to work if you ha- if their that's kids right. aren't taken care of yet somehow we have not just as a nation really taken that seriously and put in the money and the resources that are required like that just is really
2: Mm -hmm. unbelievable to me that is correct it's been really tough and so any provider that's you know nobody unless if you're doing it properly and you're running a high quality program high quality is a million dollars that's right right. yeah because you have to pay your staff and I find a lot of places can't afford to pay their staff. So if you only have, um, you know, 20 or 25 kids, it's really difficult to be able to get somebody to $15 an hour, um, when you know your reimbursement rates are not enough to cover all of your costs.
0: Yeah, and I think it's something a lot of people don't understand because I often hear people say, "Well, why is childcare so expensive?" But it's mm-hmm. like the ratios you need to have. To mm-hmm. your point, if you have a high quality. Right establishment, then you need to pay people, you need to get quality staff, you need
2: certain mm-hmm. things in place that are just expensive. Yes, that are just expensive. Insurance, you know, right. from, from, you know, my, my three top expenses are payroll, rent, and insurance. insurance. Those are the top three expenses. If you look at my, you know, my budget from month to month, those are the top three expenses.
1: And you alluded a little bit to it. Um, for... Business owners, I mean, this is affecting so many different industries and Mm -hmm. especially business, especially small business owners. Any advice for, I guess, business owners and how they can continue to grow um, their business despite the pandemic that we're facing?
2: You know, the thing that I've seen, and I'm not saying that I practice this, but the thing that I have seen is businesses have had to kind of reinvent themselves. So for example, um, one company that I use that um, I usually get the, the camp t-shirts, mm-hmm. get those printed. Well, they started selling masks and they started selling masks where you can get your logo put right on the, right oh, on okay. the page. Wow. Yeah. So I think companies have had to really figure out how to reinvent themselves. Unfortunately, in childcare, um, whereas, you know, older kids could go on a Zoom and do less and you right. you can't get a three-year-old to sit for. No. I can um, hardly get my 5 year old. I was just going to gonna say barely talk to a five-year-old. His kindergarten teacher. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> yeah, so I mean that, and that's been a challenge. We we communicate with the kids and the parents every day via a video using a a software program, an app called Class Dojo, which I know a lot of people use and it's oh, yeah. free. Yeah. Uh, I've also done a couple videos for them. And so we're in touch with them every day. And I have parents that I speak to every day. They call me every day. When are you opening? When are you opening? (laughs) And so, so for right now, while I, like I said, while I have the two projects going on and now they were able to, you know, start construction again. So now I can start billing again, those two, and then trying to focus on what's going to happen with the childcare in the future of childcare until they get this thing under control. And I have heard the same thing, about 50% of the child care centers aren't going to be able to reopen. So I, I think really trying to figure out how if you have a business that you can conduct online from home or or in that way, then you need to start thinking in that direction. Right. Yeah. That's
0: interesting. You mentioned the putting a logo on the masks. Like who who would have thought? New a new space to advertise. All <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. And that's the thing that that is the good thing, I guess, that these kinds of situations bring out is that it forces us to be
2: creative Mm
0: -hmm. in new
2: ways Mm -hmm. that never would have occurred to us before. Right. I agree. I agree. It has definitely pushed the envelope on the creativity. Yes, it
1: has. I mean, I know even for myself, I've had to kind of look at my business model again Mm -hmm. and reevaluate some things and, you know doing virtual consultations and Mm -hmm. looking at people's homes from FaceTime or, you know, um, so yeah, Mm -hmm. I think, I think it is important to readjust and um, do things differently. But now we're, we're kind of forced to if we want to make it. Right, right.
0: Given the things we've even talked about. So a lot of these things are honestly just stressful. And they're, Mm -hmm. you know, this adapting and not knowing what's coming, not knowing when we're going to drop to what colors. And there's a lot of anxiety going around, to say the least. Mm -hmm. How do you manage, how have you managed to take care of yourself first, I'm assuming, before we talk about taking care of your staff in the middle of all of this?
2: So the middle and the place that I am now is a good place, but in all honesty, I had a whole breakdown the first week I was, I, and, and I had to actually give myself permission to do that good. because I'm not used to doing that. Um, you know, especially not when it comes to business, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm not vulnerable in my business. Right. Um, and so the first week where it was just all this unknown, um, you know, I got to apply for loans, you know, how much money do I have in the bank? Can I shift from this account to that account? You know, this, you know. And, you know, what debt, you know, do you have and how much and all those things. So I, I literally just like ah, the first week and I said OK, snap out of it, get yourself together, get on the computer, look for, you know, opportunities for funding, specifically for child care. Um, there was a lot of stuff out there. I had to wrap my head around what was what and I had to keep my staff calm. And so I have 18 staff total and I had to keep everybody calm from, you know, from losing it. And so I had to get it together. So then I got organized. I got my office set up here at home and I just got organized. I took it step by step and it worked out. (laughs) <laughs> it, it worked out. I applied for everything I could apply for and was very successful in getting some additional funds to be able to continue and maintain payroll and things. But it wasn't easy at first. And right now, you know, by the time it got to the middle and we were like in the third week, I was like, it's okay. We got this. We got this. we can, we can make this work. So that's how I got through it. I feel like I'm saying got through it like it's over. That's how I got to (laughs) To the middle. (laughs) That's
1: how you're getting through it. That's how I'm getting
2: to it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So if you were to distill the things you got out of that, so for someone else who's still in the middle of like, I don't even know what's happening or what day it is, which is a little bit of all of us, what would you say? How would you break that down, I guess, for someone else who's still struggling to see a clear way forward?
2: I think you have to organize it first in your mind. And you have to say, and this is what I said to myself, there's going to be a beginning and a middle and end of this. I don't know exactly where on the timeline those things are going to be. I can't say that the middle was going to be May you know, 1st and the end was going to be June 15th. It's a little easier for me now because I actually do have a date, a target date. But it, it was almost like still kind of day to day. I think you have to settle in you have to get you got to get your head right <laughs> whatever it takes you, do. To at, you have to get your head right and don't panic and if you do go ahead and panic for a minute but then bring it back mm. you, you got to bring it back i wish i could be a little bit more empathetic with it but we got to make it out here
0: right. <laughs> yeah we got to make it that's real and i like what you said about giving yourself permission like okay if you've panicked or I we'll panic in, for a limited time and then right, we've got to right, get back
2: right, right. in the game.
0: With that,
1: I guess, what are some of I'm pretty sure your daily habits have changed, right? You pre-COVID, you had <laughs> like you said, you were focusing more on the, the playground, mm-hmm. interior design. Mm-hmm. What are your daily habits now, you would say, as far as time you wake up to Oh yeah. What has
2: really helped me? I'm doing a virtual workout, my trainer in the morning from 9 to 10 because initially when I was in my my little crazy mode I would get up get my laptop and get back in the bed and and did work. that too right and so but I found myself not being as effective as I could be mm-hmm. so adding that training where I have to get up I got have to be downstairs I got to be dressed in some sort of form yeah. fashion so right So, and doing that. And then I also have my staff are also working out two days a week. So, five days a week, we're working out. And we also have my trainer, who is excellent. It's Audra Beauty Fit Strong. She also does a mindfulness little thing with us twice a week. And so she checks in and she gives us a word for the day. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we all sit and we reflect on it. We talk about how it's impacted our lives. Mm -hmm. That has really helped us a lot. It's helped my staff a lot too. And some of my staff who have never worked out their whole entire life, they are working out now. Mm -hmm. So I think the point that you, what you were bringing up is really having a routine. And this is definitely yeah. not the same. No, um, it's definitely not the same as, you know, when you're in your office, cause that's a whole different thing, but just being able to get up, work out, take my shower, get something to eat, get to the computer, check my emails, you know, and I'm uh, also taking two classes online too. So that's kind of focus. I told you I have to have a whole bunch of stuff, uh, going, stuff <laughs> going on, <laughs>
1: but I think, What I got from that, though, is being effective, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and almost asking yourself in the beginning of the day, like, what are some ways that I could be effective? Because grabbing my laptop and going back to sleep is not really being effective. Mm -hmm. And although, you know, it may feel good at the at the moment, but yeah, things still need to get done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Staying in the bed
2: is not the answer.
1: No, (laughs) not at all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it's, I love that you spoke about working out and mindfulness. Mm -hmm. I found personally that those two things have been my saving grace. Like just Mm -hmm. being able to work out Mm -hmm. and still my mind. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't think we can afford that time, but I'm realizing that we can't afford to not have Mm -hmm. that time Mm because whatever else you think you're doing, you do it better when you've worked out, when you've meditated, your brain is better able to function. Honestly, you're better able to function. So it's so worth, Stopping to do that
2: before we get into whatever it is we're trying to solve. I agree. Any kind of physical activity, especially during these times, I think are good because it gets really easy to get into a rut. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and to me, you know, and I do, I have a couple friends that, you know, can suffer from depression. And yeah. so this time has been really, really rough and kind of keeping them busy. And that's one of the things that they've said to me is that I'm staying busy. I have a schedule. I have yeah. a routine. I get up. I take a shower every day. I brush my hair. <laughs> you know, I put that's on makeup. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> Those are all good
0: starts. Yeah. yeah. All good Those starts. are
1: definitely all good starts. Yeah.
0: So prior to this, we talked about We asked you a couple of questions and one of the quotes you said that stood out to me was that life takes so many turns Mm -hmm. and that you took those turns and made them into opportunities. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to that, please?
2: Yes. You know, again, at at the start, working in advertising and marketing and ending up, you know, kind of go into the different little markets, you know, throughout the country. North Carolina. I lived in, in Durham for a little while um, in Raleigh. And, you know, you meet people. That's that's an, another important key that, that, you know, you meet people and you make connections and you have networks, some that last forever, some that are for a short period of time. But having done that and then moving back to Philadelphia, and again, having something, you know, a a life changing event, Mm -hmm. and saying, okay, well, I can make money. I make a lot of money, actually. I was making (laughs) really good money in advertising. For those of you who know broadcast advertising or know anything about it, it's a lot of money to be made. So, and then having something in my life that changed really who I wanted to be. And I didn't want to be about just making money. I wanted to be about making a difference. Um, and, and the person who had influenced me is my older sister. Um, she used to volunteer at Children's Hospital. And she always cared about the kids. And she worked and she nursed, you know, sat and hold the little babies and stuff. And I always loved kids, but not like that. <laughs> and so I took my inspiration from her okay, when nice. I decided to go back to school and get a degree in education. And I thought, if I got a degree in policy and administration, I could put myself in a position where I could actually make a difference for kids. because I'd Long term. Exactly. If I'm in charge of the policy and how we do things and how kids are being taught and how they are being mm-hmm. educated and where and what the environment looks like. Yeah then I could really make a difference. And then, you know, you know, going to school and then somebody contacted me about operating a childcare center, which I never would have done or probably on my own if they hadn't contacted me. But that provided an opportunity. Well, first it, it motivated me, you know, about the um, going back and getting an interior design degree. Um, And then also, too, it provided opportunity for me to do some things and and kind of experiment in in spaces. And so that was like my real first kind of glimpse into, hey, I could put this whole thing together, you know. And then people just started asking me, well, can you come and arrange my classrooms? And, you know, it just kind of grew from there. So it just took different turns. And I said, hey, wait, I can make this work. And it's putting all the things that I love together. And I'm like, oh, I'm happy. <laughs> so I, I think that's how it kind of took different turns for me and I, you know, opportunities that arose and I just jumped on them.
1: Yeah, I love that. When we hear, I guess, a lot of success and people measure success differently. Mm-hmm. What would you say success means to you? How do you measure it? And what are some of some successes that you've had?
2: So that's a good question. So you could hear from my previous comment that originally, when I first got out of out of uh, college, it was about making money. So how right. much? <laughs> and so you, you know, there's lots of ways to make money. You know, legal mm-hmm. ways to make money. But going to a place where I wasn't happy every day and now being in a place where I'm actually happy. So success to me is I get up, I'm doing something that I love to do. Mm-hmm. And I do love kids and I miss them tremendously. <laughs> I can imagine. And and I miss my work. I miss, you know, doing my design work. You know, I, I live in places like Restore and Home Depot and, you know, right. Home Goods, store. Right. <laughs> but now I'm doing a lot of that stuff online. You know, Ace Hardware is like one of my favorite places to just shop. There's tons of places I like to go and just get inspiration, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at all different types of things from anywhere. So that to me, and and I guess the other piece that I would have to throw in there is operating my own business and not having to sit in my cubicle like I used to have to sit and not being tied to a desk for me, you know, and so, and I get, you know, so I get to travel, I get to spend time with my family, I get to do a job that I love, and so now I feel like I'm successful Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) yeah like i've done a lot of things where it you know um i'm meeting needs i am you know um i'm happy right Mm -hmm. yeah and i feel like i'm contributing somehow that's a
2: big piece Yeah, that's a big piece for me yeah Mm -hmm. I love
0: that. And I love that it ties into goals that you've set for yourself as well. Like, so there was a time when making money was success for you Mm -hmm. and there was a time when that wasn't good enough and it had to include making a difference and Mm -hmm. that keeps shifting and changing. I think so often we can get caught up in what other people say success is, Mm -hmm. but I love that your story ties into what it was you wanted to achieve Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. hitting those milestones. So another thing about your story I love is the, how your worlds collide. And I know we've talked about that a couple of times, how you, you've you brought together these seemingly very different things, but that all resonate with you. And you've brought them all together in your businesses. If someone is listening to our show right now and wondering, what is my thing? Like, okay, I'm not a designer. I'm not going to go start a school, but I'm interested in all these things. How do I figure out which which thing to pursue, what advice would you give them?
2: I, I would say, and I, I tell my, my son is graduated from college last year and started his own company. And now he's like, oh, I should get a job. Eh, not so much yet. So I would say anybody follow what your dreams are. You know, you, you don't want to, you know, have to work to live. You know, you want to, you want to live and so how what would make you happy in in 5 years in 10 years what are the, what are your dreams i mean now since we're starting really from scratch right now right you know what is it that you really want to do and 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 chase that all the way until the end until you can't do it anymore and so if if you want to you know have a coffee shop then you know can you start by you know something small or can you rent a little space out of there? i think now is the time for us to really think about that cuz I think we get caught in that rut that you were talking about where you say, Okay, well now I just have to make money. And money is real. I mean, we have bills. Right, I have to do. drive to work, right? So I right. gotta have a car. But I have worked just to make money. And I look back on those years and I had fun, but I wasn't happy. And I have to say, you know, if if anything, I wish I had done what I'm doing now twenty years ago. Right
1: mm. <laughs> yeah. where your businesses are now, I know you spoke a little bit of the child care, but maybe specifically the design, the playground design. Are you taking new projects? Are you taking new clients?
2: Absolutely. Okay. Yes. yes yes, yes. And what I have done in the past, I didn't mention these before, but I've done senior apartment facilities and believe it or not, some of the finishes that we use in childcare are very similar, right? And so I actually just did a proposal for another senior apartment, a much smaller project than the ones I've done in the past. But yes, I am definitely taking new clients, playground, interior design. I have done some residential work, but it's not really my niche. It's not really what I love to do. So yeah, I'm definitely still taking new clients. I was telling Lisa this, when I think of playground design,
1: that's why I was fascinated by your story. I'm like, that is such a niche, mm-hmm. you know? So I, uh, I'm i always curious to see like, you know, which designers prefer. So yeah, so it seems like you prefer more commercial
2: yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm better at that. And I guess that's because where most of my experiences come from. I've done some residential projects. Of course, I do all my own. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. Of course, I do all my own projects. But I have done some residential projects. I just prefer, you know, commercial. I've done kitchens. I've done bathrooms. But you know, there are people that specialize in, that. Yes, in those things. Right. Yeah. So if somebody asks me to do a kitchen design, can I? Oh yeah, absolutely. And right. I love finishes. I live for finishes. Right. Oh my God. I live for finishes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I like, oh my God. Like, I have so many different pieces of tile in the basement right now. And you know, window treatments, all kinds of new blinds and fancy right. stuff to come up with now. I still have pretty much a large probably materials library. I know nobody really does it anymore, but mm-hmm. I just love stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: I think the basis of what we do is putting things together. Right. It is, so It is. It really is. But I also think it's good because you alluded to trying different things and sometimes you don't know what you like or what right. you want to specialize mm-hmm. in until mm-hmm. you try different things.
0: That's right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's so, a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, how do you get out of a creative rut? Do you ever get to a point where you feel like I just can't, I'm stuck here? I'm assuming you do. What do you do to get out of a creative rut?
2: That's when I have to go take my little browse through uh, Home Depot or I have another favorite place called Material Culture that I just love. I haven't been yes. there to love them. Oh love God. them. I've never <laughs> heard of them.
1: I stop at the exposed brick, I have this thing for exposed brick. And yes. yeah. They're, they're beautiful. You find very different um, things in there. I think I once found a a chair that was made out of a trunk of a car. Yeah, Yeah.
2: it's really, it's really inspirational. You can find just about anything in there. Um, And so I usually, if I'm at an, let's say I'm doing a CAD drawing or something, doing something on the computer, then I have to get up and just say, okay, I need some inspiration. Where can I go for this? um and then sometimes too you know you guys are young folks so you know everything is on the internet now yep <laughs> <laughs> so you could, just, yeah, you, know, yeah, you could just you know yes you could just you know hop on the internet and start doing some google searches and i do when i travel and i travel often Well, I wouldn't say off. I travel at least a minimum twice a year outside of the country. So I'm always taking photographs of architecture um, and definitely, you know, materials and finishes and fixtures over there are, oh, my God. Um, And so I'm always keeping pictures, which I probably have about 8,000 on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes a piece of fabric, and Sabine, you know, you can attest to this too. Sometimes just a pattern in a fabric can be inspiration. Um, sometimes it's lines. Um, I'm a big horizontal person. Um, mm. and So I love horizontal lines. And I, well, there's my mirrors in the background. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I, so I love real clean and simple. You know, even your your taste um, or my taste, I won't speak to everybody, but my taste has changed over the years. I went from very, very traditional Okay. And now my passion is mid-century modern. Mm -hmm. I love real simple lines. I love chairs. Sometimes chairs are inspiration. Mm -hmm. Uh, My husband's probably listening because he knows I have about 10,000 chairs. (laughs) So yeah, that's where I usually get it from.
0: I love that. I love that. Lisa, do you have any other questions? Yes. I have too many questions. I just remembered (laughs) one we didn't ask earlier about your schools that they're bilingual, aren't
2: they? Yes. 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 So our program is bilingual. So they're three days a week, English and two days a week in Spanish. In every one of our classrooms, we have a native speaking Spanish teacher. Love that. And we have teachers from all over the place, from Spain, Dominican Republic, Portugal, some, where else? Mexico that's awesome so yeah yeah from kind of everywhere it's we have a really multicultural center i'm really proud of the diversity really proud of it we worked really hard to create a space where everybody would feel welcome and i think we've been successful at doing that
1: yeah you guys have really done a good job thank you Uh, thank you i feel like there's so many people represented yeah lots
2: that's that's the best part <laughs> yeah right, right.
0: <laughs> well, we are definitely rooting for you and we are well, standing you. with you as you're going to be opening soon because mm-hmm. a that's just the early childhood is so important it literally lays the foundation for a human being's life mm-hmm. and to have someone with your passion and with your focus doing it i'm like mm-hmm. i i'm I'm just so grateful that you exist and I, I hope things will Thank go. You. I know things will go well, even in the new structure. Thank but you so they much. They have the bilingual thing going on top of everything else at yeah. that stage. is just right. it's amazing.
2: Thank you. And if people need to get in touch with me, they can go to the, you can go to our website. Um, it's ecedesigns.com. And for our childcare center, it's ecechildcare.com. And so there's contact information on there for both um, of those. You could reach the center direct and or you could reach me directly.
0: Perfect. Okay.
2: Thank you. Great. This has
1: been... This has been very educational, therapeutic, um, inspiring, inspiring. Oh,
2: it's been fun for me. You yes. guys, <laughs> great! Thank
1: I'm you. So
0: glad we did this. I'm gonna hear your voice in my head when I'm panicking. Like, okay, panic quickly. I know. But then we, you know, we gotta get our head. Then we gotta, we gotta get here. <laughs> we out gotta go. On, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> got stuff right. to do. <laughs> so, Sabine, who are you giving kudos to this week?
1: This week, I am giving kudos to, or I would take out for coffee. I guess I should say, uh, Kirsten White, who was actually our very first podcast guest. And, but I'm not taking her out for coffee because I know that she would drink coffee. But I'm not taking her out for coffee because she was our podcast guest. I had, I recently had a brand uh, photo shoot with her for mm-hmm. my business, at Marie's Interiors, and. I love her as a photographer, but I really love her as a friend. One, she's an amazing photographer. She has a way of capturing you as a woman, which makes you, you know, sometimes you never know how to pose. Like, do I put my hand here? Right. I can never she pose. Just- She has a way of really just making you feel beautiful. And I was like, now's not the time for me to take a picture. Like I gained so much weight over quarantine. Like I look a hot mess. Um, But she just has a way of just capturing your natural beauty. And I just, I, I love how she makes me feel as a woman when she's taking my picture. I can't even explain it. But outside of that and just her amazing talent. She's just an amazing friend, you know, Um, she we've had so many conversations about how business has affected, you know, affected us both during, this pandemic. And we're just always trading different ideas and different strategies. What's been working for you? What's been working for me? You know, um, how can we support one another? How, how can I help you in your business and so forth? And, you know, I'm always telling, you know, a lot of the people like you need a photographer, like you need a, a portrait because she only does really portraits. So if you're looking for headshots, you know, I have someone for you and vice versa, but it's so genuine, you know, um, Um, well, you know her, so she's great. She's just, yeah, she's just, she's amazing. She's supportive. Mm -hmm. Um, I've just really been encouraged by her. So here's to you, Kirsten. What about you? Who would you be taking out? Who would you give kudos to who'd be taking out for coffee or tea? So I will
0: definitely be taking this person out for tea. So it is my bestie Kumbi who had a birthday this week. Happy birthday. And, um, I love many things about her, but the reason she's getting kudos this particular time is because, as I said, she just had a birthday and she wanted to do something with a few people. And she wanted to do something on her birthday, which actually fell on a Thursday this week, this week, this year. And um, she got a couple of us together at her house just to have fun and we're supposed to dance and swim but the rain would not allow us to be great but we just had a great great time and what I loved was that she pulled these women together and it wasn't just all about her she also had thoughts about who needed to connect with whom and she spent a lot of time during our intros because a lot of us didn't know each other she had us kind of introduce each ourselves to each other oh I like that Mm. I thought yeah talked about we all talked about how we met her and when we met her and all of that which is really cool but she also just really built up each woman like there was a lot of her kind of adding to the story you know somebody would say something about themselves and she'd be like uh but she also just got her PhD in blah 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 and she just did this so she kept adding to our intros just really essentially showing us how amazing she thinks we are and reminding us of what we all bring to the table. And I thought that was a really nice touch to take time out to do that on your birthday to really make sure that the women in your life were feeling built up. So kudos to you, my friend. And yeah, we, I think she, she has to be my oldest consistent bestie for sure. And we were talking about that because we met at like preteens at a comic stand um, before we ended up going to school together couple of years later. But anyway, Kumi will definitely take you to tea out for tea. I know I know how you do. And I know it will be <laughs> black tea. Um she doesn't like any of the fancy teas I'm into. But happy belated birthday at this point. And um just kudos to you for being an amazing woman and for building up the women in your life. So that's who I take out to tea. Nice. So that concludes this episode of Coffee and Tea with SNL. Thank you for listening. Make sure to share this podcast with all of the people in your life. Follow us on all the things, Facebook, Instagram, subscribe, comment. Anytime you get a chance, interact, with review, review. Yes. All the things, but thanks for listening. We can't wait to be back
2: with you again. Bye. Bye.